Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. Uh, this week on the episode, we have a good friend of mine, and we've actually just figured out we think we might have even been in the same uh, class in primary school together. We always knew there was something familiar there, but we do have the amazing Chloe from Self Care Sisterhood on the episode this week. Now, the reason I asked Chloe on is her approach to helping women and being inclusive towards helping women inspires me. She's someone who I've watched her business and her movement grow and take off and begin impacting lives. And I just love what it stands for. You'll come to find very quickly in the episode why I'm such a fan of what Chloe's doing and what the self-care sisterhood is doing and why I'm a big believer in their saying she moves for her mind. So if you're someone who has ever felt out of place in the health and fitness industry or uncomfortable or judged when at a gym or not supported in your health and well-being, this is such a valuable episode for you. And what I hope will happen, what I believe will happen off the back of this is this will not only change individuals' lives by listening to this episode, but it can begin spreading a ripple effect, which is already in movement. We can speed it up to make the health and fitness industry in Australia a more inclusive a more supportive and a more effective industry for everyone. Now, don't forget that like all episodes, uh, this episode is available for free on the Wellness Library. The Wellness Library is our free uh, part of the Pocket Coach platform, which is, as the name would suggest, like having a coach in your pocket 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help you have access to the tools, resources, guest experts, and strategies to really thrive in life rather than just getting by. So if you're not already on the Wellness Library, make sure you follow the link in the show notes uh, for this episode, sign up for free, have a play around in there, and should you make the decision to take the next steps forward in developing your mindset and well-being, of course, you can jump onto the Pocket Coach platform as well to access all of the extra premium content, the testing center, and our amazing guest experts. But with that said, we're going to jump right into this week's episode and join me in welcoming Chloe to the studio. So, thank you once again for uh, coming into the studio and, and coming onto the podcast. I know we had a good chance to catch up before turning the mics on, and we got a chance to have some tea together and reconnect. And for those listening, uh, Chloe and I have known each other for two years now. I think we figured out. Yeah, we kind of—I don't know how we connected. It was weird. I mean, yeah, in- Instagram, Facebook. I, I think know, something, something like that. And yeah, we went out for coffee. And, but yeah. we were both really early on in our businesses. Yes, like uh, yeah, be you and the self care sister were very much. I think almost concepts that had just become real. Yes. Um, and now here we are two and a bit years later catching up for tea and, and having a chat. So thank <laughs> you again for coming in. I'm very excited for where we're going to go on this episode um, because I know what you're doing. It's funny. I, I always try and invite people onto the show who I consider are leading movements, not businesses. I think businesses are sort of the tangible side effect of creating a movement that people believe in. Okay. Um, thank you <laughs> yeah and for you I see what you're doing as a movement I see uh, this is greater than a business this is changing lives and really making an impact but before we dive into that yes I would love for you to have the chance to introduce yourself to our listeners and share a bit about your backstory and what got you passionate about what you're doing yeah 
Uh, well, I guess my story started in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I was living with like major depression and anxiety and I did a, um, a fitness trial, well, a clinical pilot trial at Newcastle University called Healthy Bodies, Healthy Minds. And I learned how to move basically and I'd never been taught how to do that before and um, I just was like, oh, why aren't people learning this in schools and kind of, you know, um, I guess with like body image stuff as well, being equipped is half the issue. Mm-hmm. It's like having the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I did that and then I finished the actual trial. I was on really high antidepressants and I actually became manic. Okay. <laughs> so the exercise helped me to move through the depression and then figure out I actually have bipolar. Um, sure. So it was like, oh, okay, but it, it helped me cope with the symptoms I was having uh-huh. and then um, from there I got diagnosed which was awesome mm-hmm. um, but I always came back to movement as a way to help me calm down if I was a little bit elevated or depressed kind of move myself through that uh-huh. um, and then was like oh like other women probably need this but uh-huh. I had a, like an Instagram where I kind of chronicled the two years where I was kind of we also had um, migraines as well so I was bed bound for two years with migraines like right after that and I couldn't get back to uni couldn't do all this stuff and then I started making this Instagram and people were like hey, can you, like, teach me how to do that thing you're doing at the gym? And I was like, I'm not qualified and that's really unethical if I try and teach someone or not. So I went back and did uh, my PT training and then kind of it all started from there. So the self-care sisterhood started from an Instagram account of me. So if you scroll back to the bottom, there's some really vulnerable <laughs> shots of me, like, lying next to a bed, like, all the time, um, really unwell. Um, but, yeah, basically just started because I didn't have anywhere to go to the gym that felt safe. So... Oh. Yeah. But I, I love that that's there, that we can <laughs> scroll can, back and see that, right? Yeah, like it's someone not, actually told me to delete it. They said it would be bad for my brand. I'm like, um, no, it actually shows that I'm like I actually did what I said I did yes. <laughs> and I'm not faking it. And because um, I had someone about oh, about six months ago say, you're taking advantage of people with mental illness, you know, and I was like, oh, I have mental illness. So, yeah. so no, we're reaching people who need the support because we need the support. Mm. So, yeah, it was really, it's been interesting. Yeah. yeah. So all the girls are like can scroll back and actually like kind of stalk me for the last five years basically. Yeah. So I started the Instagram in 2015. Amazing. Yeah. So and obviously from there it's – and this is what I mean when I say I'm looking at it as a movement more than just a business, right? It's, it yeah. started as an idea and obviously you sharing your story and your change and then yeah. recognising that there are probably other people out there who yeah. who would benefit from this. Yeah. Um, how did you go about, because I know it's one thing to recognize, okay, this is making an impact in my life. Mm. You mentioned the Instagram was a way to start sharing that. And then you start getting people messaging, you go, hey, can you help me with this? You go, get your PT mm. qualification. I'm curious, what's the tipping point where you go, this could actually be something that I could really make a difference with? I think, um, so the idea, of, I, w- I wasn't necessarily going to become a PT first. Mm-hmm. I was going to create a like um, a guide for women with mental illness that had movement as a part of it in it. So I had a whole bunch of allied health professionals who are friends who I interviewed, like a psychologist, uh-huh. a dietitian, a physio, um, and then I hurt my back working in early childhood and mm-hmm. that was kind of the tipping point for me to kind of to move into PT. But basically the book didn't happen because mm-hmm. um, I realised that the actual the problem was people, women with mental illness needed help moving. Yep. They had all the other resources, but this was like one part they didn't have support in or it was too scary or everyone's wearing, you know, crop tops and it's scary looking or, sure. um, yeah, they just didn't have, it just was a missing link. I just saw there's a massive gap in the market here and I can fill the gap because mm. um, I know what I want and I know what the other girls want. Yeah. Um, 
but just no one was delivering on what they were saying they were doing. Yeah. They're like, oh, we're a black community. And I was like, yeah, but how? Yeah, show I me d- that. I don't see your community building skills mm-hmm. or they're like, oh, you know, we take really cute boomerangs or, you know, on Instagram. Like, yeah, that's not community. Community yeah. is um, not seen on social media. Mm. Yeah. it's Social media shows the highlight. It yes. shouldn't be your only evidence of community so yeah so that kind of bugged me a lot and um just seeing a lot of women that I know who have body image issues or just um eating disorder Uh and there's no safe space for them in the gym community because there is very lot of calorie counting and a lot of things like that and so for someone with an active eating disorder recovering you can't ever go back Mm. to that some people can but majority can't it's kind of dangerous yeah i do worry that um the health and fitness industry in australia i know early this year Mm. i was at the uh, brisbane health and fitness expo oh that would be interesting which uh and i think it's the same as the sydney ones these big health and fitness expos i know we're about to have one in newcastle that we are both speaking at, and i think it is the first (laughs) expo i've seen that's really changing this narrative and this story the ones i've been to in the past i do worry tend to over focus on uh, comparison, perfectionism, mm, aesthetics. aesthetics, right? <laughs> yes, crop tops. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. And and it's almost more about change who you are to fit into this industry rather than be who you are to be part of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the strongest, some of the strongest women I have at my studio, they're not the typical gym body. Yeah. And they never will be because their body genetically is a certain shape and size and, yeah. um, you know, and they're limited with their choices. So it's, 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 it's a lot of stigma, but mm. it's also... A lot of discrimination. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, some of the stories that I've heard from some of my ladies, I just, it makes me really angry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's a social justice part of me that's like I'm doing this out of social justice because people are marginalised, um, you know, even people with disabilities or, um, you know, chronic illness, especially mm. women with chronic illness are told to push, push, push at the gym when, you mm. know, if you have, you know, chronic pain like me or endometriosis or, you know, fibromyalgia, you can't push, push, push like that could actually you could go to hospital yeah. if you do that. So you need to be able to learn your body's limits, but people aren't being taught how to do that. Yeah. They're just taught to hustle to 8 out of 10 yeah. on the RPE or whatever, <laughs> the yeah. scale of um, perceived exertion, yeah. you know, not really teaching how to, like, listen to their bodies. Like, mm. it's kind of removed. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, there's so many layers to it, but I could talk about it for yeah, and, and it really does. Well, it really does <laughs> sound like – angry. <laughs> yeah, well, which is kind of – I almost say to people – a good thing. I know one of my mentors once said to me, the people who change the world are very clear on what they stand for, but they're equally as clear on what they stand against. Yeah. It's almost drawing these battle lines of like, yes. hey, this is not okay. Yeah. And I know, obviously, as you said, part of that is obviously inclusion and, and mm. connection and community and creating a safe space for, yeah. for everyone to, to look after themselves. And yeah. I do want to touch on and dive into mm. She Moves Her Own Mind. Oh, Yes. That, Where did that come from? Because yeah. uh, tell us more about that. I think it's incredible. <laughs> well, it's just, it actually came from the fitness trial I did with um, Healthy Body, Healthy Mind with a wonderful trainer called Adriana. Okay. Um, who I actually know personally. She actually knows my godmother and godfather uh-huh. down in Central Coast. Um, and I had to go to the university gym, which is full of lads. Yes. They're all wearing T-shirts where you can see nipples everywhere and yep. they're just tanks and it's just terrible and scary. And there's a lot of sexual harassment. Mm. And so I literally had to pump myself up to go to this child was like, I'm doing this for me. And I literally say, you move for your mind. She's moving, I move for my mm. mind. And so I'd actually, it actually became like literally like my little mantra that I stuck to to keep myself going because um, I knew it was helping, but um, I knew if I didn't go, I would miss this opportunity because I knew it for 12 weeks and okay. then 
um, we were part of the the pilot trial. We weren't part of the actual established study. Like we were the first trial group for it. So yep. we what we went through um, changed the way they went about the rest of the trial, uh-huh. um, which was kind of cool and kind of scary. But I didn't want to. Also, as a uni student, they they paid you per session you went to. So I was like, I can afford like actual joggers if, yeah. I, if I go in a sports bra. Like, whoa, that's revolutionary. And that kind of, you know, they're barriers to stopping women from moving, you know, mm-hmm. boobs moving independently to your mainframe, yeah. don't have proper shoes, you know. So um, that's how it started. Yeah, literally just me like kind of like, come on, you can do this. Don't look that guy in the eye because he's scary. And, you know, that one will probably try and ask you if you need a spot for your squat, which you definitely don't. He needs a spot for his squat. But, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, Ooh. so, um, yeah, this sort became like, um, I don't know, like a horse at the racetrack just putting my blinkers on and trying mm-hmm. to remind myself where I was going. Yeah, so. And it sounds like, yeah. correct if I'm wrong, almost like <laughs> dial in on the why behind what you're doing, oh, right? Definitely. Like not just the, okay, I'm here to exercise because yes. logically yeah. I know it's good for me, almost yes. like that heart and soul yeah. of. It had to be like an internal reason. It couldn't be for anyone else because I'd always mm. ever exercise for other people or, you know, family's expectations or what type of sport you would do and things. And I'm like, I don't like that. And then I didn't find something I loved until I did weightlifting. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, with chronic depression and bipolar, you, I can count to 10 mm-hmm. and I can put it down. Yeah. That's achievable. I can see that, you know, um, or maybe six or eight, you know, uh-huh. but, um, yeah, rather than doing, you know, an hour of running, mm-hmm. I just thought, no, nah, can't do that. But, yeah, so it's just like little achievable steps when I was really severely depressed. Yeah. So it was achievable, yeah, and I could measure my success how I went. But, yeah, so it was good. And, you know, I just really love weightlifting and deadlifting and hip thrusts and squats. It just makes you feel good. Yeah, incredible. So, yeah, and it's free. Well, Mostly, sorry, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it's, it's a good feeling. And as women, like learning how to lift, I think it's something really empowering, especially in a male-dominated, especially at the university gym. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> um, it was fun to actually have people come over to you and be like, "How how do you do that? Can you show me?" And they were men, and it was like, "Yeah, I can show you. Like yeah. I know how to do that." Um, so it was kind of fun. Yeah, I know. I just like prove, outproving the boys, really. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I think there's there's so much to be said about. And as we talked about before going on air, this idea of making an impact start with self. And the more I connect with you, the more I find out about the backstory of this, the more I see that it really is just an extension of you. A little bit. And yeah. of what you <laughs> yeah. what made a difference in your life, right? And what yeah. matters to you and what you believe in and stand for. And yeah. to be able to take that and make a difference in other people's lives. I'm a huge believer that when we uh make a difference in people's lives when we help. It's yeah. not transactional in the sense that one person's going to gain and feel healthier and happier and the other one has to lose something for that to happen. Yeah, definitely. It's a mutual exchange. Both people win, right? Both yeah. people feel good from it. And I can, I can imagine there have been examples and situations and stories. Now, obviously, don't go into too much detail for confidentiality, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. But I imagine there's been some moments in you creating this movement that have really reminded you why this matters. Yeah. Are there any of those that you can share with us, obviously um, without giving names or, or details? Yeah, I think I think the overarching thing for the studio has always been people go, oh, you know, is it only people with mental illness who can come? And I said, no, but our overarching underlying foundation is suicide prevention. So okay. for me, I'm a suicide survivor. Yep. Um, and so for me, um, women struggle to make friends over 21. It's like uh-huh. really hard. And so to bring them in and to support them in a community that feels safe 
um, but then also for them to move and know their body's capable, even living with an illness mm. or a disability. Um, yeah, we had one lady um, last year, it was just before Christmas, and she's been casual for a while um, and it's coming and going. Um, she, she called me up and said, uh, you know, she was really unwell and said I was going to, you know, wanting to hurt myself. And so we got her some some support. And so for me, after that first year of, you know, opening the studio and um, being really stressful, I was like, this is what we're doing it for mm. because she had no one else to talk to um, and we felt like family to her. So that yeah. felt like what an honour because yeah. I know what it's like to ask for that same support and yeah. say, hey, I'm not coping. Can you take me to hospital? Mm. Or, hey, I've hurt myself. Can you take me to hospital? Mm-hmm. You know, for her to say she hadn't got to that step yet, uh-huh. but we got her the help before. Yeah, and so that was a really like this is what we're here for. We're not here for booty shots yeah. or Instagram profile numbers or any of this bull crap really. Yeah. It's just um, people need to be loved and, you know, I think we live in a very individualistic community and I've come from a very community-based family and, you know, church family and that kind of stuff. So the, the power is in the huddle, mm. the people. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's just a lot of lonely people um, who mm. need support and um meet like-minded women so I didn't really meet any women like me until I opened the studio (laughs) so um, all the people I knew were two ladies who both had chronic migraine like Uh me one lives in um, England and one lives in America and um, yeah I connected with them I was like I wish I had people like this who get me yeah Um, so to find other girls it's a um, yeah it's mutually beneficial I see the way the girls are empowered and um, you know or just talk about things you know like um one lady recently went to the doctor and she didn't get adequate care because of the size of her body. Um, so we supported her finding another health professional and it turns out, you know, that doctor had fouled her because of weight bias mm-hmm. and so she finally got support and then it turns out she just needed a simple surgery and now she's pain-free from what yeah. she was needing help with and it had nothing to do with her weight. It had had all to do with the stigma she was experiencing. So mm-hmm. just like stuff like that, we're just like I had no idea. Like so she had, you know, depression, anxiety and then all these other illnesses and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'm really dealing with this, but she's dealing with all these things. Mm. So if we can help support her to get to allied health professionals or just get to psychologists really. Yeah. I'm just like the psychologist evangelist. I'm like, go see a psychologist, go see yeah. a coach, like whoever, you know, just just talk to someone. Yeah. yeah so, And and yeah. I'd love to dial into that, this idea of, I think you said it's the, the, the power of the huddle or of the tribe mm. of the community. And obviously yeah. that can come in so many different forms, be oh, it, so as you many. said, through professional health, be it a psychologist, coach, psychotherapist, yeah. um, counsellor, whoever it may be, yeah. or through a social platform and through, yeah. you know, having community uh, or com- yeah. family or friends. Yeah. Talk to me more about, you mentioned there's women over 21 struggling to make friends and, and meet new people. Yeah. I didn't know that. and But I have heard a lot of statistics yeah. around where the m- most connected we've ever been and the most lonely we've ever been oh, at the same time. It's an epidemic. Yes. And I didn't realise how much of an epidemic was until I opened the studio and actually met the people like me who were dealing with, you know, not just mental illness but um, kind of mental illness, chronic illness, chronic pain like me and I've got the trifecta mm. and I'm thinking if I'm struggling and I've, and I've got a lot of support, like mm. a lot of support. <laughs> um, I ask probably too much support of people but, you know, these people have no support so how yeah. are they supposed to succeed? Like, like kind of like I guess – you know, you can't rise unless other people help you. Yep. So who, if you don't have anyone to help you rise, then how do you rise? How do you mm. improve? Um, yeah, so it's kind of our big philosophy at the studio is like no mean girls allowed. Yeah, I love that. Um, which came from me being bullied in my PT course that I did. Gotcha. Because I was not small enough to mm. be a PT. I was told I was too big um, and that, 
you know, people don't really need help for mental health. Like, mm. I don't want to work with obese people, yeah. kind of things like that. And I just was like, you know what? Like, I'm a bit of a bulldog. My friends know this. I get in a lot of trouble because I, like, can't not say something. Something's wrong. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, you know, has almost got me, like, you know, punched out by a giant man at the pub one time or something like that. But I just but I can't. I think it's also needed, right? It's needed. And then my husband's like, please don't die. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're catching the train down to Sydney. Like, don't talk to anybody. Yeah. But, um, you know, just there's so much bitchiness out there. And I, I found that with, you know, the other sports that I did. And I just thought, can't we just have fun? Like, why does mm. it have to be about the way you look? Um, or the results you post. Or the and results, the, yeah. you know. I just think I'm just trying to survive today, yeah. you know, and not die, yeah. <laughs> you know, with mental illness. So, you know, that doesn't need to be the focus. So we, we made that the rule so that the girls know, you know, how we expect them to treat each other and how uh-huh. we expect them to treat themselves. Yeah. Um, so we, we always say that, you know, no mean girls allowed to new people who come in so they know the culture. And, and uh-huh. we've only had a few, yeah. you know, maybe one or two, yeah. but they knew they weren't a good fit and mm. they, they weren't exactly mean girls. They just didn't want to uphold yeah. the culture yeah. or the, um, I guess, being nice to people. Yeah. They just wanted to be a number. I said, oh, you can do that anywhere else. Mm. But we, we want to know you. You know, mm. we're not in a big, big box gym where you mm. can click the door and no one knows your name. You're just number, you know, 2547 or something. Yeah. We're like, hey, I know your name. I know your family. I know, you know, where you work. I know how you're working with these things in your life. I know that you need support with your deadlifts and your squats. I know that you have, you know, just all these things about their bodies so that we can support them. Or, you know, I know they have endometriosis, so... Um, a bent over row, excuse me, a bent over row isn't a good option today. So we're going to change it up and we're going to do a TRX row instead. You know, just like little weird things. So um, that's true connection, isn't it? Like that's the difference between when yeah. we hear the stats, like where the most connected we've ever been. If you look at numbers, yeah, I'm like, but yeah. when you talk about actual connection, yeah, depth, yeah, um, that's the difference. Yeah, and it's just fun seeing like. We have a wider range of ages in the last year. We've had a whole bunch of older ladies join us, which is awesome. And they were like, will I fit in? I'm not young enough. I'm like, we don't we don't count weight. We don't measure anything. You know, we measure moving for your mind and joy, mm. you know, so you'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, they know I have dad jokes and things. We're very ageless kind of, you know, we listen to lots of old music and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we listen to lots of, we have like, you know, 70s music and 80s music. We listen to lots of old stuff. So it's not like they're like, you know, you know house club you know, beats all the time. It's variety for everyone, so everyone feels included. But also, you know, 70s beats are pretty fun when you're weightlifting. Yeah. So just, you know, it's just fun to mix it up and, yeah. But they've got so much to give as well to the other girls so that, exactly. you know, and it's lovely seeing, you know, the older ladies come around, the young ladies, and to see them, the younger girls, and, and them never had that before. And mm. so for me growing up in, like, a church community, I've always had that my whole life. I've got, mm. like, a zillion nanas and aunties and uncles. Um, and so to see other ladies be able to do that in our community with, you know, or just sisters, just having girls that they've met and gone, I would, you know, one girl said last week, I would never have been friends with you in high school. I'm so glad we met. And, you know, she's like, thank you, I think, you know. But, <laughs> but like, it was funny because, um, you know, they're – they're not their flaws. I'm saying the things they're going on in their life have brought them together, and then they see their own humanity in each other. Mm. So, like, yeah, I think it's good to have a mirror and go, oh, that person has the same thing I have, but the way they live it out is really, really different, and that's not wrong. It's just different. Yeah. So you know, or people when they find out have bipolar, they're like, oh, but you're so like normal. And I'm like, mm, sometimes, <laughs> but you know, like you know, you just you can't. It's like I don't know. You just can't tell. It's like you can't tell mm-hmm. someone has cancer. You can't tell that someone has mental illness necessarily or chronic illness or pain or, um, you know, there's just lots of people that need to be 
in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I think it's a teacher in me, like primary and teacher supportive. training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just, I don't think, I don't think it's that hard. I just don't think people care enough. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes care too much, which is my problem. But um, I now have a great team who help me care lots as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't burn out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so if I was to, um, if I was to put you on the spot. Yeah. Go for it. And fling one at you. <laughs> fling a question. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> well, that's hot tea. Don't throw it at me. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> if I was to, I'm going to stick with that word. If I was going to fling something at you uh, and put you on the spot. Yeah. What are your hopes for the future of the health and fitness industry in Australia? Oh, that they could stop causing deaths. <laughs> like, and I mean, mm. like suicide. Mm. I mean, eating disorders are the largest um, c- cause of suicide, basically. Like, they're, they're the largest. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm saying it right. But yeah, basically, uh, it's not even eating disorders. I think people think people are healthy and then there's eating disorders. And there's, there's no, this, nothing in the middle, right? There's so. this very big um, gap that we're working with two intuitive eating experts um, with Health at Every Size. Yep. Australia, um, disordered eating is mm. just, I just see women whose their entire lives are just completely consumed. And, and I've experienced this too, and I'm still working on stuff. Um, just consumed with thinking about food, how am I going to get food, what I shouldn't be eating, what I should be eating. I'm in a bigger body, so I should be eating this. And then they just can't even eat food. Like they can't even eat. Like it's not even like they're trying to lose weight or anything. It's just like they don't feel like they deserve to eat. Mm. And I just see this with so many ladies. And there's some ladies who are in their 50s and 60s. And I see it with girls my age and younger. And I just think there's just so much damage being done. And I think people don't realise they're doing the damage. And mm. I remember when I first started doing a PT um I did it with one client and we were taught to, you know, go through what they eat. Yeah. And I did the thing and I and I did only ever did one. And I just was like, this is doing this mm. that did damage to her and that was wrong. And so I need yeah. to apologize, which I did. And I just said, This is outside my scope of practice, but the lines are so blurred. Yeah. And and people don't realize is that um, you know, dietitians are the only ones allowed to give advice on food. Yep. Um, and if you're a nutritionist, I can be a nutritionist if I say I'm a nutritionist. Mm. You don't even need a qualification. And so, mm. yeah, it's just um, it makes me angry and frustrated <laughs> um, and just, you know, seeing women. Because I don't see – I know men deal with these things as yeah. well, but I don't see men dealing with it as badly as women do. Mm. Yeah. I think men get given other things by the world and media to deal with. Mm. But, yeah, um, I don't know. to see lots of lives ruined by years. Of, and especially um, working with dietitians, we know that, you know um, – we all have a set point weight. So our bodies naturally love to sit at a certain weight. And then if we binge, purge, restrict, um, each time we lose weight, when we regain it, we stay there. And then mm. our actual set point weight rises each time. Yeah. Um, which when I heard that, I was like, and I looked into the research, I was like, this blew my mind. And so it actually did damages, you know, metabolism and mm. the way people's bodies actually, you know, live. So when people will say, you know, I've heard people say in the course I did, oh, why is that person so fat? Why are they so big? And I'm like, well, you don't know the social constructs behind yep. what's happened to them. It's also, you know, due to genetics um, and social justice mm. and weight, you know, how much they earn and mm. um, access to services. It's, it's, just, it's not, um, you know, try really hard, yeah. calorie in, calorie out. There's so much, it's such a, you know, um, a lazy mm. way to explain it, I feel. Mm. Um, so there's, yeah, and um, I think people are made to feel lazy yeah and so I, th- I think and I've also experienced it in my life you know going on to medication for my bipolar mm. um I put on about 10 kilos yep. you know but I'm not dead <laughs> you know and I and I probably you know I 
I, as I said before, I've survived suicide attempts. Um, three, and um, I'm so excited that I am yeah. 10 kilos heavier and I have, you know, roles in different areas and that's great because I'm not dead mm. and I'm not in that hospital, you know, and I'm not, you know, um, you know, it was a lot skinnier back then, but, you know, like um, well, you're happy. Right? I couldn't work and yeah. I was bedridden for two years, you know, and just all these other things. So, you know, he's, you know, yeah, it's health over mm. weight. So, yes. Um, which is interesting and sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, hitting my head against a brick wall and I just feel like I can't do this anymore and then someone says something or someone, the girls encourages me or um, shares something they've learnt and I'm just like, oh, I need to keep doing mm. it for them because I'm a bit of a whistleblower. So, if, yeah, no one else is going to do it. I need to do it with the other girls and kind of not like we're saving people or anything but just that we have the tools and the privilege yeah. to be able to help. So mm. we should be helping and we should be aware of the inequalities within the, the um, fitness industry. <laughs> I'm getting very intellectual now. I'm getting all no, deep into it. But, yeah. But I think you're it. spot on. It's something that, and these are the conversations that need to be had and brought up yeah. because until we do have that hard look at an industry that is meant to be there to help people yeah. be healthier and happier yeah. and go, what is working, what's this. not working, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. What, the, the, something and, here yeah. is not working. Yeah. And we know it's not because, you know, rates around mental health are still getting worse. Rates around physical health are still getting worse. Like yeah. something has to change. Um, and I think it's, again, not going to change from the big governing bodies. They could take 10 years before they go on board. Yeah. It's going to change from yeah. movements like yours, grassroots oh, ones, ones you. <laughs> that are led by people who are passionate, who yeah. care about what they're doing, who have personal experience with it and go, yeah. I think it's changing. It. I think um, when I first started, mm-hmm. I actually was told that I would never make any money. Yeah. And they're like, how are you going to help people if you don't help them lose weight? I'm like, mm. um, we have muscles and bones and like, you know, posture. Yeah, so and, much more. You know, range of motion and stability and, you know, all these things. I saw. That's so ridiculous. But um, I think it's changing. There's a there's a girl on Instagram called Madeline Giorgetta um, and she basically radically changed. Have you heard of her? She's um, like a, she used to be a bit of a bikini model and uh-huh. has a big fitness in. And she basically like wiped out half of her app and said this is actually causing harm wow. and turned 180 is now doing health at every size Amazing. and basically has been ripped absolute shreds mm. by the Instagram fitness world and all these people. Um, but she's like, I couldn't live with myself knowing that I could possibly be causing someone to do something mm. that could lead to their death. Mm. And some people have said to me, what you what you posted before made me suicidal. And, you know, things that you were teaching were, were really unhelpful. And she was like, yep, it was. And she got all this support and guidance. To, and so I feel like the, the industry is starting to turn. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, yeah, I relate, I, we get a lot of resistance in Newcastle, what we're yeah. doing. People are like, mm, that's weird. And I'm like, I don't care it's, if it's weird. I've <laughs> I been mean, weird my whole life. I've, yeah. You know, I've got seven different labels behind my name, you know, <laughs> yeah. things that have been diagnosed. And I was like, I'm, I'm okay with weird. You know, mm. I would I would rather you not be as dead, <laughs> you know, or suffering. So, yeah. yeah. Now, I could honestly talk to you about this for days <laughs> yeah, because I go. love this. <laughs> but um, I've got a little red flash of light saying we've got two minutes left on the episode, <laughs> uh, which is kind of good timing because I've been ending lately and asking people with, if you had 30 seconds with every woman on the planet to share a message. Mm. What would it be? You are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are made for more than what your body can do or look like. Yep. And your mental health, your brain is the most, I mean, yeah, your brain is the most important piece of equipment you have, nothing else really. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'd say. It is. It's true. Because I mean, if you can't use your brain, which I couldn't for a really long time, I couldn't use my body, and I was no of no good to anyone. I couldn't mm. serve or do anything. So now my brain's working a bit better. Woohoo! I can do things. So yeah, like come in and share your message like, today. Come in so. and drink all your tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, it was my pleasure and my privilege to have you in today. And thank you so much again for coming on and yeah. sharing your story. Um, I will. Put some links in the show notes for those listening for how you can connect with Chloe and become part of this movement and um, reach out to her and become part of that community because that honestly is such a good way to make a difference. And thank you again for coming in. Thanks for having me rambling on <laughs> next to all your beautiful plants. <laughs> <laughs> the honour was all mine. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yet again, I'm blown away by the guests who volunteer to come in and share their stories and their knowledge and their background and their ideas on the on the episodes of this podcast. I know that there's plenty of people who will have listened to that episode and found that it made a difference in how they think about and approach their own well-being. And if that is you, make sure you reach out to Chloe and let her know that you can connect with her, the self-care sisterhood uh, on Facebook or Instagram or even on their website. And just support what she's doing because those movements uh, thrive on support. That's what makes the difference. Now, another way you can support uh, this movement is obviously giving the podcast five stars on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure you give us five stars, write a little review. The sentence reviews really help us rank better. It helps us change more lives. So if you can take five seconds of your day to write a one sentence review of why you love this podcast, that would make a huge difference to me. And to the vision that we have for making an impact starting with self. And of course, make sure you share the episode around. Tell your friends and family about it. Share the podcast or share the wellness library. As I said, it's our free resource and tool that people can access to get access to blogs, uh, podcasts, videos, all content designed to help them thrive and live a healthier and happier life. Now, with all that said, you know how we wrap these up. I'm very excited to talk to you again next week. We've got some amazing episodes and incredible guests coming up. But until then, make an impact, start with self, and be you.